Hey, if you don't have a bulletin, I would encourage you to go grab one. There's a bunch of blank space. There wasn't... There aren't any more? All right, that's okay. If you've got a piece of paper, that will work. So some of you guys know I'm the high school principal. Some of you guys don't know that to be a principal, you have to have taught for a minimum of three years. Right? So, oh, yes, there's Children's Church. I wasn't sure with Sherry not being here if you were still doing. Okay. So to be a, a, a principal, you have to have taught for three years. I got to teach for eight years. Um, I was a science teacher. I taught physics and physical science in Bozalek High School. So one of the biggest things they teach you is to have an anticipatory set or a hook. So I want you to write down these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dates. These are all famous dates. Okay? Eight dates. You ready? September 1st, 1939. December 7th, 1941. August 6th, 1945. November 22nd, 1963. October 1st, 1969. August 16th, 1977. January 28th, 1986. And September 11th, 2001. Anyone need those dates repeated? 1986. Which one? All of them. All right. September 1, 39. December 7th, 41. August 6th. 45, November 22nd, 63, October 1st, 69, August 16th, 77, January 28th, 86, September 11th, 2001. I would bet good money that you know one of those dates. I would bet that you could probably tell me a lot of details about that date. Because in some way, shape, or form, one of those dates changed your world. All right, shout them out. Anybody know what uh, September 1st, 39 was? It is the start of World War II. How about December 7th, 1941? Pearl Harbor. Some of us were alive, not a lot of us. August 6th, 1945, Hiroshima, the atomic bomb. November 22nd, 1963, Kennedy assassination. October 1st, 1969, first man on the moon. August 16th, or I'm sorry, wait, wait, uh, yeah, October. August 16th, 1977, Elvis Presley died. <laughs> I had to come up with something in the 70s. It was the only one that I thought that was really good. January 28th, 1986. Nope. Challenger. Challenger explosion. That's the one that rocked my world. 
And then September 11th, 2001, Trade Center. You can think about what you were doing the day before, the day of, and how your world changed because of those events. Right? The Jews continued to walk through their world knowing that there was going to be a day that things would then change. Right? So, we think about things in terms of, like, before that day happened, what occurred on that day, and then how the world changed from then on. Right? How the world changed moving on, or, or how it, what was to come, is kind of the concept of today's two passages. Because we look forward to the kingdom of heaven. The age of days. Right? There's a couple different phrases for it. Like, the, the entering in. And what we need to realize is, is that it's not tomorrow or next week. It's today. There's two passages that we're going to work through today. If you can open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. The two passages that we're going to focus on talk about different focuses on how we are to receive the kingdom of God. I'm going to break them up into three different parts. So the first one I'm going to read is just the first chunk. The little children and Jesus. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time to gather. Lord, thank you for the message that you have poured on my heart. Thank you for, um, for I, what I hope is the message that you have for everyone so that we can grow closer to you and know that you've already established the kingdom on heaven for us here and that we need to live fully for you as we are already there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to him, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. So, who's here in this story? Right? So if you look at the details, Jesus, clearly. You've got the disciples. And it says at the very beginning, people were bringing the little children. So there were people there, probably lots of people. Any story we start to read, you know, moving forward, the crowds just continue to grow and grow and grow. So I guess that there's a lot of people there. And you've got children. Who would have been the people? You would have had a common Jewish culture. But who was following Jesus because they were ticked off at him? The Pharisees would have been there. Pharisees would have seen this. So, you've got these different groups. Um, And the piece that always strikes me, and it's funny because at Sunday school this morning we were talking and John, or Joe said a few different things that are in today's sermon and he doesn't even know it. 
Um, and we were talking about some different things, pieces. And, and then, Mike, you, you had the honor to bring your mom here. And right, like one of the, the statements in my here's is that parents always want better for their children. Imagine what you would do to improve the opportunities for your child. Is there a limit? Really? Like, is, is there a limit that you would do? Because I can't think of one. So you have these people, these Jewish communities, coming to Jesus because just being in his presence is going to give those children a better opportunity. You have, you have the disciples and you have the Pharisees. Right? So the Pharisees are saying this. and it, In that culture... Children would have been not second, but probably third or fourth class citizens, right? They're annoying, they're dirty, they're loud, they don't understand the culture, they don't understand what's going on. And Jesus says, wait, 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 that's who I'm coming for. The loud, the dirty, the obnoxious, the people who don't get it, right? Me, he's coming for me, because I'm loud, I'm dirty, I'm obnoxious, Right? So you need to come to Jesus like a child. What were the disciples' reactions? Oh, we got to follow the rules. Now, what do you know about the disciples? Right? They, they, they were the best of the best, right? They were the A team. They were, they, were the, they were the advanced varsity squad, right? Oh, you get 12 men. Several of them were brother sets, Right? Most of them were fishermen, unlearned, tradesmen, working hard. Let's see if I can go catch a net full of fish so I can have something to provide for my family and to sell some money, right? You had one who was a Roman tax collector. Like, being a fisherman's tough. Being a tax collector is sleazy, right? He's the guy who goes and takes the money, and of course, the way he's going to make his money is he's going to take just a little extra or a little lot extra for his pocket. And who else did you have? You had a zealot. The zealots were the arch enemies of the Romans. So you had a guy who worked for the Romans and you had a zealot. They had to have hated each other with the fear of like just like worse than the apple cup. Right? <laughs> like like, like for, for all intents and purposes, had to have hated each other. Right? And, and out of the 12, like I did a little bit of research, you had maybe one of them that came from a royal line. Right? It says Nathaniel um, came from some royal dignitary. Right? But you had these 12 guys. So would they have been the best of the best? No. But, but all of a sudden, because they get to be in the inner circle, they've kind of had their status elevated, right? Right? It's, it's starting to become a little bit about them. So, so they're in charge of kind of keeping the peace and all that. And here come all these little kids and like, whoa, 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 kids, get out of here. Like, this isn't for you. And Jesus is like, you idiots. No. You need, everybody needs to come to me with the excitement and silliness and dirtiness and fun of a kid. Okay? Because these disciples first answered the call. Back in the beginning of Mark, chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus says, follow me. 
So he's elevated this group of 12 gentlemen. He's given them the availability to go and drive out evil spirits. He sends them out in twos. He gets to teach them. They're in the inner circle. They get the deep story behind the scenes. They get the answers to the parables that everybody else doesn't get. My favorite part about it is that they often don't understand it. They don't get it. It gives me hope that I don't have to understand all of it too. But they're also the ones that get the, the best school of hard knocks. Here's one of them. Right? They're thinking they're like, oh, no, no, no. Hey, only the, the best get to come and hang out and touch Jesus. And kids, not a play zone here. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Bring them to me too. So then we've got this next story. And at first it's difficult to see how the two of them connect. But the two stories connect because they're both seeking access to Jesus. They're both seeking access to the kingdom of God. I'm going to break this next one into two chunks. Follow along with me. I'm going to read 17 through 25. The rich young man in Luke, he's called a young ruler. right? So both, both pieces. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, I've done all of these. Kept them since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus again said, children, how hard it is for you to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I'm going to break there for a second. Who was in the group? Kids, disciples, Pharisees. If you were to go and ask a Pharisee how to become a Christian, how to follow, they would have probably said, follow the Ten Commandments. And then we need to convert you into being a Pharisee because that's how you would do it. You you need to follow the law of Moses, and you have to become a Pharisee. That's, That's the only way. That was their belief system. So how does Jesus start this story? This young man, ruler, rich ruler, shows up and says, hey, how do I get in? What's my secret ticket? Jesus hands out five of the Ten Commandments. Right? How many of you guys have all the Ten Commandments memorized? Right? I didn't. I looked them up. You do not have them memorized. All right. Number one, no gods other than me. Number two, no idols. Number three, no blasphemy. Number four, remember the Sabbath. Number five, honor your mother and father. Number six, no murder. 
Number seven, no adultery. Number eight, no stealing. Number nine, no lying. And number 10, do not covet. So which are the five that Jesus rattles off right away? Because the ruler says, hey, how do I get in? And Jesus says, no murder, no adultery, no stealing, no lying, honor your mother and father. So he rattles off six, seven, eight, nine, and then goes back to number five. Right? This rich ruler's like, got it. I'm in. Checked all the boxes. Not a problem. Been doing them since I was a little boy. And then look at what it says. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Verse 21. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that when someone just looked at you and was like, "Uh uh-huh? And that's not the whole truth, is it? So, so we list these five, right? In the, in the studying that I did, it kind of alludes that Jesus kind of manages the, the, the third commandment. Because what was the third commandment? The third commandment was no blasphemy. Remember when, how the ruler approaches him. He says, good teacher. And Jesus says, no one's good but the Father. Right? So there's a little whole like addressing that, you know, it's, you know, don't call me good because that's, that's only designated to the Father. Like anything other than that would be kind of blasphemous. So, so all of a sudden he's, he's nailed, you know, several of the commandments. In fact, uh, we can say that he's nailed over half of them. And it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. So if you had that look, someone analyzes you and instantly knows something about you that you didn't want them to know? Jesus is God. Jesus knows this man, knows what's in his heart, knows what's going on. So how does he react? He says, now let's focus on the three commandments that you struggle with. What were those three, three commandments that he struggles with? No other gods, no idols, and don't covet, because that's what wealth allows you to do. It wasn't about the fact that rich people can't get to heaven. That's not the concept. The concept was that if he's a rich ruler, he has power, he has wealth. We've talked about it at our men's group, right? If you are wealthy, you have ease. Because when your refrigerator breaks, no biggie, I just go buy a new refrigerator. You have status. You look good, you smell good. Right? In that era, right, they didn't have great hygiene, right? It was dirty, right? He would have had aloe and salve and oils on him, and, right? Especially if he was one of power and royal. You're without stress or need, probably independent, self made man, confident, you know. All those things that allows you to be your own idol. Because the three commandments that he hadn't focused on was that no other idols, no other gods, and don't be coveting. So how does Jesus address this? He basically says, stop worshiping the idol of money. How do you do that? Go sell everything, give it to the poor. And how does the ruler react? 
right? Now, I'll be honest, I covet, right? I'd like a nice new truck, right? I like the fact that I have a job that allows me to go and do, right? Like, we have things that you want to control and manage. But are you putting them before God? Are you offering those things to God and saying, hey, thank you for the truck that I do have? We put the key in it this morning and turned it, it turned on. Thank you. Because that's good enough. Right? Right? Uh, it, it had enough gas to drive me to the house of the Lord this morning so that I can come worship. That's good enough. Right? Like, like, like I am infinitely rich in comparison to a large chunk of the world. Right? So, so when I read this, I need to make sure that I'm not being idolistic out of those pieces. Because Jesus said, give those up. The way he says it is different, right? But translating, he says, give that up. Stop being worshiping of this. He says to, to the rich man, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you, you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Might want to translate it that. How hard it is to believe in me when you think you've got your whole world under control. How hard is it for you to seek after me when you think you're the bee's knees. This next piece down here, I had a lot of fun with, and then I realized that I'd gone way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph's a big fan of this rabbit hole, right? So, like, the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said, Children, how hard it is for you to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So, all right, literally, and a camel through the eye of a needle. Okay, that you could see like that would be a tough thing to do. Analogy-wise, they were talking about the fact that the largest animal around in that area would have been a camel. The smallest thing that they would have had is a needle, so you can still see the analogy. One spin was that there was a, a called the needle's eye gate. So it was a man-sized gate. So to get your camel through that, you would have had to have gotten off the camel, stripped the camel of all of its items to be able to try and get this camel through. And then the third rabbit hole I had gone down was that the Greek word for camel and the Greek word for thick rope are very, very similar in terms of words. So because if it was in Greek, then you could understand trying to put a thick rope through the eye of a needle. Like I, like I dove into this and I was studying it and I was like, wait, that's not the concept behind what the whole verse chunk here is about but I thought I'd share it to you because I thought it was funny. Okay? I, I, I had done a bunch of work because you guys thought it would be funny. All right, so, so the first group is you need to come to Christ 
like a child. How many, how many of you have been around a child in the last week? Or this morning? Right? Are they always the sweetest smelling? <laughs> do, do, are they worried about how they look? Are they worried? When they get older, they kind of get preppy, but like, like when they're young, it's like, you know, they've got stuff on their face, and they're like, uh-huh, I put it there. Uh-huh, yeah, whatever. Right? Right? You need to come to Christ like a child. Don't worry about what you look like. Don't wait until you smell good and you look good and you're put all together before you realize you need him. Just come. The rich ruler says, hey, I think I'm in. Like, I check the list. I think I'm a VIP. This should be closer to the top. Check. My name's probably there. And Jesus says, no, it's not, because you don't have your priorities straight. So let's talk about what the cost-benefit analysis is of coming to Jesus. The second portion of that verse, or that chapter, look at verse 26. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, How can, uh, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them, again, there you go, Jesus looked at them, and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. Peter said to them, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, No one who has left home brothers, sisters, mothers or fathers, or children or fields, for me and for the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times more in this age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them, persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. But who will, but, but many will be first, will be last, and last will be first. So what's it going to cost? What does it cost to come to Christ like a child? One, don't worry about having your priorities straight like the ruler, right? Just come. Who can be saved? Jesus says, hey, like, like, we'll save everybody. And the disciples all of a sudden elevate themselves. Do you hear it? The disciples, Peter, well, we've left everything to follow you. He's like, yep, you left everything. I tell you the truth. No one who has left homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. That's all right. Drop it and follow me. Right? If you read the, the description of when he comes in and meets some of the disciples, they are in mid-catch with their nets. Jesus says, follow me. He drops the net and runs. He's not like, hey, second command, you need to take over this net, and like, this is how you do my job, and like, this is where you sell them in the market. No, 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 no. Drop what you're doing and follow him. Right? The disciples still want to elevate themselves. They still don't get it. I love it because, like, the rest of the Bible, like, it talks about how the elders, or the disciples, they start to get it and become foundational for the church, which just makes me feel like I still have a shot, because right? I don't get a lot of it. 
What does it mean a hundred times as much? Even persecution. Right? Like, like they were excited about like all these things I was getting a hundred times. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't read that fine print. What did you say the last word was? Persecution? Ah, I didn't sign up for this. Right? In the present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children in fields will come with them and persecution. Do you remember when you became a Christian? You know what it's talking about here? Other Christians opening their homes to you. You have a whole new set of brothers. You have a whole new set of sisters. Mothers and fathers. Now. You have it now. Right here. Right? I, I should have listed, I didn't even see, I didn't even think about it. I should have listed it on here. Right? Key date. April 1st, 1991. Not a single person in here knows it. It was important to me the day I became a Christian. April Fool's Day. Yeah, I got it. There's a little funny there to me too. (laughs) April Fool's Day. Because at that point, you get access in to a whole new perspective. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields. And with them, persecution. Becoming a Christian is not easy. It's rewarding. Eternally rewarding. But it's not easy. Because you get to open your homes to new brothers, sisters, mothers, children. You have new fields to work in. So what does it mean that you get a hundred times that? It means that it's right now. One of the uh, authors I like to read is N.T. Wright. And this commentary talks about the fact that, um, that it means that you get, it, you get to go to heaven now. It's not when you die, right? It's not this just like magic jump over the hedge or access through the door, or, right? Like you're in it now. You put your money in the bank so that you can spend it later now. Right? You have these blessings to you now. The treasures that you are storing up in heaven, you have access to now. Right? The age to come is now. The age to come is as soon as you say, I believe. If you have asked the Pharisees how to get in, like I said, they would have told you to follow the Jewish law and become a Pharisee. They missed heaven by 18 inches. Joe is one of my favorite teachers, and I quote a lot of the things he says. But that's the one that I remember the most. You see, 18 inches doesn't seem like a lot but it's the distance between your brain and your heart. The Pharisees knew the rules. 
they understood the rules. They understood how powerful that yoke was and how hard that would have been to follow and that you weren't going to be able to get there. Jesus understands your hearts. Are you going to make it to heaven or are you going to miss by 18 inches? Don't worry about being perfect. Just worry about going to him. In my time here, but as part of our church, I've gotten to be part of Awana. One of my all-time favorite verses is a verse that I memorized from Awana. And if you guys are Awana fans, you guys would know this one. Acts 16, 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. Parents want more for their children than they have right now. They want you to know the Lord. That belief is powerful. I'm a big logic science guy. My biggest struggle in first becoming a believer was that I needed to have proof that Jesus existed. The funny thing is is that the people who were leading me to Christ said, well, you believe in cars? Yeah. And cars run on gas? Yeah. And gas comes from fossil fuels? Yeah. Fossil fuels came from dinosaurs? Yeah. Ever seen a dinosaur? Well, no. Oh, but you believe they existed? Yeah. But you can't believe that Jesus existed? Amazingly enough, that's how they won the science guy. Right? Because dinosaurs must have existed, because that's how we have fossil fuels, that Jesus must have existed. And as soon as I could get beyond the fact that I didn't have to have it proven, I had all the proof I needed. Because it's simply believing in him, and you will be saved, you and your household. Jesus walked on this earth and took 12 ordinary, untrained men and poured his entire life into them. These disciples became the foundation of the church as we know it. Today, I challenge you to focus on what you believe in. If you believe in the Lord, Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You and your household. Welcome to the kingdom of heaven, my children. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this, this opportunity to dive into your word a little deeper. Lord, thank you for the, the studying that I got to do this last week, growing and knowing and understanding you better. And Lord, thank you for, for bringing heaven to earth now. Bringing your son to earth to educate these 12 men, to allow them to help shape our existence, Lord, for you to, for you to be humble enough to sacrifice your son, Lord, and for his 
his presence on earth to remind us to come to him and follow him. We don't have to be all put together before we do it, Lord. We just need to show up. Thank you for for everything you do for us, Lord. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be as rich as we are because we are rich with your love. Lord, I just ask that you watch over and keep us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.